0: Welcome to Just Some Brothers, a podcast with no agenda other than meeting with special guests of notoriety who may be known sport, maybe music, and maybe even education. For that matter, anything. People who have life stories that we can resonate with as individuals. Hopefully, during our segments, you get something out of it. If it's one sentence, one word, take it away with you because we're here as Just Some Brothers, having some fun spreading the word, open your mind and enjoy your time with us.
1: On today's show we sit back with former Air Force footballer Tim Nodding who played 12 years for the Brisbane Lions. We were very fortunate to get an insight into Tim's life before, during and after his football career. Now sit back, relax and enjoy our conversation. We'd like to welcome our, uh, our special guest for tonight, the one and only Tim Nodding, aka Possum. Welcome to Just Some Brothers. Thanks for having us, boys. Look, I, uh, I need to um,
0: jump in. Timmy and I have got a, a bit of a history together, but uh, we need to go through 43 now, Tim. Yep, 44. But this year. Uh, picked up in, and correct me if I'm wrong at any stage here, but uh, picked up in 1996. Uh, with the inaugural year of uh, the Lions merger. That's right, yeah. First senior game in 1997, round eight against Enston.
2: 98.
0: 98, all right. So this is where we get corrected. Um, AFL Rising Star nomination in 99. Member of the 2001-2002 Lions Premiership teams. Missed the uh, third grand final in 2003, which we'll go through later on. 2006 played his 150th game against uh, Hawthorne, 10 point win 2009 his 200th game against uh, North Melbourne uh, 18 point win Lifetime member of the Lions with 208 games, 138 goals Pretty elite career to me for uh, for the Lions Uh, Probably as I said uh, inaugural player right through so uh, a big part of the Lions uh, history
2: Yeah, it's been a journey, or it was a journey. Um, Most of those details are pretty correct. Um, Yeah, coming in, I got drafted by the Lions only because Matthew Primus, who was at Fitzroy, refused to come to Brisbane because he was a ruckman. He thought Doc Clark and Clark Keating were going to hold him out of the position. So he said, no, I'm not going. I'd rather go to Port. And Port were just coming into the competition, so they had a, a heap of draft picks, so they Traded Matthew Primus for pick three and pick twenty seven, pick twenty seven six, pick twenty
0: six, and I, I went pick twenty six. Okay, so look, we, we we sort of go back. We we'll go back to the start. We like to work through it. I mean, um, you remember your first game?
2: I do, of course. So, well, I,
0: I mean, we always say like, what what what's the standout moment? But um, I think we all remember the first game. I and mean, what was that?
2: Well, I didn't get a kick. I had five handballs and we got pumped by Essendon. It was a Friday night game at the MCG, which was which was pretty good, but I remember the abuse I got from the coach afterwards.
0: <laughs>
1: was, <laughs> that, was that Lee at that stage?
2: No, nah, no, nah, it was John Northey, and I think he was really, he wasn't that keen on me actually playing, but I played a lot of good footy leading in, and sort of he got forced to play me, and I sat next to Nigel Lappin on the bus, and Nigel Lappin's big into his music, and I got along well with Nigel and anyway we were singing and he was singing a few songs I thought I'll sit next to Nigel sing a few songs and how good's this <laughs> and obviously we were sitting too close to John Norley and we got pumped and he goes don't ever fucking sing songs
1: <laughs> <laughs> on the
2: way to the game again and I'm like good
1: <laughs> thanks much. So, how did Lappy play yeah. did he have a binder like, yeah, he dominated, yeah he dominated every yeah, game he <laughs> so, so he's alright to sing
2: led, <laughs> so then I went over to Easy house for dinner and I said mate you just cost me you just cost me a game so yeah well,
0: it's it's, it's interesting. We I think we've asked this uh, question of um, most of the guys that have come on. Is that um, and I, I've said that uh, you know what well, best coach, worst, worst coach, and uh, mine was Sam Kekovich, worst. But uh, and again, a big hello out there to big Sam. Hope you're listening. But mate, uh, who was your best and worst coach?
2: Well, John Norley obviously was my worst because he he dropped me after my first game, and I think. I only played one game under John Northy, and then he got sacked not long after that and Roger Merritt took over for the end of the season. And Roger was a good coach. He coached me – he was coaching the reserves at the time. But then I had Lee for – I had Lee for probably 195 games out of 208. <laughs> yeah. so, and then I had Vossie for, for the end of it. And Vossie was – and I played with Vossi so yeah. it was
0: um, – And is that, is that a hard thing playing with an ex-player or coach, coached by an ex-player?
2: Probably is because he knows how you play, he knows what he's looking for he knows all your weaknesses as, as you train with him. um and you have a different relationship because you play with him for so long so it's it, it was a bit difficult, but I was coming to the end i was like I was only twenty nine my body was good, but mentally I was coming to the end you know and I was I was on not a lot of money, so there was no point in eking out another couple of years, but yeah. on, you know, I was on 60 grand at the end of my career. And that,
0: and that, that uh, has been a conversation too, is that, you know, like you announced in 2008, was it? 2008 that you announced your retirement? 2009? Yeah, 2009. Um, and that's, you know, we are we, talking to Beamer at one stage, is that that becomes a hard decision because you live a lifestyle of fairly good coin on, because um, it is professional football at that stage, you're playing full time. Um, and you will get into a little bit later is that you're part of um, the start of where they teach people to have an afterlife of football which is which is very educational and good for good for the players but from your point of view is that um, how is that for you in terms of that transition of moving through footy and then so, sort of realizing here's the day that I need to stop because people will hang on to play as long as they can when did you sort of say hey I, I think I'm done
2: Yeah, well, Vossi was coaching and there was a few... I thought, personally, Vossi got a couple of guys in there that weren't genuine towards Vossi and the way Vossi wanted to be. I thought they were trying to... There's a lot of snickering and stuff around Cornets and um, I got a reduced contract. I was on year-to-year contract um, and I always knew at some point it was going to end and I didn't play footy to hold on i play i didn't play footy to be the best player in the team i I grew up in the country i played footy for my teammates and i love the game i love competing and like i was one of the the best trainers at the club but i love the social side i love going out i love to to mingle with people so every time my phone would ring or text i would never say no
0: yeah, well, you know, quite often Timmy would say I me mean, he's the male model, but we uh, let's go back to the grassroots. Is he's a stall lad? Um, you played uh, North Ballarat Rebels, um, so you've you've
2: had a couple of EFL games. Yeah, um, so I, so I didn't get a lot of game for Ballarat. I I didn't go to a private school in Ballarat, and they had a select amount of people that got scholarships at. Required to play for the Rebels, so there was only like five or six spots, and a guy called James Walker, who ended, played two hundred games for Fremantle. He hurt his ankle, and I got a call up. And being a top age player, I was playing senior footy then. What what
1: age is this? This is seventeen. Oh wow! Yeah,
2: seventeen. So I was playing senior footy at my local club in Navarre, and I was playing against. Season AFL guys that were older, Jimmy Jess, Terry Smith, mm-hmm. uh, big guys, and I was playing center, I was holding holding down centre half forward yeah. as a seventeen year old in a pretty good competition. And Jimmy Jess had rang Richmond prior to me playing for Ballarat. I'd only found this out uh, later on, mm-hmm. but played a couple of games for Ballarat because a guy got injured and I got in, and I play. I think I played two games, and then Richmond rang me. And said, we're short, can you come and top up and play in our reserve team? Played a couple of games there, didn't go that well and then got a call-up again and played a couple of really good games for, for Richmond Reserves.
1: Yeah. So that was pretty much the catalyst of it. That's, that sort of was the springboard to get everything sort of going for you.
2: I believe it was because like, I only played 10 games and without three of those were finals for Ballarat. Yeah. And, you know, we had Adam Goods in our team who was going to be a superstar um, and a, got, a lot of guys got drafted Brent Tucky Shannon White a, f- a fair few of them but um, I remember playing a game against Geelong and I reckon I had a, over 20 odd touches on a wing kicked a couple of goals and the next week in the rooms John not John Northie, um, uh Robert Wall's come in and goes if you're on our list I'd play in the seniors this week mm. and I'm and like I was sitting in a room full of guys that are busting their ass on the list trying to get in and and I thought, oh, maybe I'm a chance sort of to, to get drafted and then, you know, then a certain cut-off point you've got to go back to Ballarat because they're playing finals, they don't get you anymore. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, I want to keep playing. I want to keep playing with yeah. the reserves. I want, to, I want to keep, you know. And... Then I had a couple of real good games for Ballarat in the finals and kicked a few goals and yeah, yeah. And then so it just sort of went from there.
3: So it wasn't something that you were really striving to achieve. It just kind of naturally unfolded for you, sort of
2: thing. It did. It all, I trained pre-season with Ballarat in the thought... My, my thought process was I wanted to play for Ballarat, get drafted. Halfway through the season, I'd said to my, said to my mum, I said, Mum, stuff this, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm playing seniors at Navarre." Um. That's it. I, I've trained as much as I possibly could. There's guys playing there that are nowhere near as good as I am because yeah. I'm because they're not even getting a game in their senior team. And my mum goes no no you got to go to training got to go to training. So anyway, end up going to training a couple more times and then those injuries happen. So there was a little bit of luck involved, but
3: yeah, injuries for the other guys. You mean?
2: Yeah yeah. yeah. A, a guy in, in the Ballarat team got injured. Yeah right. So then I I come in He's and definitely. yeah.
3: So when you, you started, it was AFL,
0: wasn't it? it yeah. moved to the AFL. So Swans were in. Yep. Um, Adelaide? Yep. Adelaide, uh, West Coast? Yep. Um, Port weren't in at the stage when you started?
2: I think the year of the merger was Port's first year. Okay. So my first year, I think, was Port Adelaide's first year because right. that's how the draft and I got drafted yep. through Matt Primus. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. All right. So, it, so it's... a. It wasn't an easy transition to get in for you. I mean, for people who don't know, Timmy's a, a fairly tall guy, 6'2". Maybe I'm talking about Six 6'3", come on. 6'3", 6'3", yeah. <laughs> okay. But a running a running player. Yeah. Um, and um, certainly, uh, you know, it was a wingman slash half-forward?
2: Majority of my games were on a wing, but yeah. then Lee would put me into a... Sometimes i play half-back, half-forward. I was a bit of a swingman. like could... I had the ability to play on a tall guy, yeah. but if I was on the wing, I'd normally get a shorter guy, so I could take them forward and deep, so I could kick goals on those guys. But yeah. I, I played at most positions. I ended up playing a ruck. I got three Brownlow votes oh. playing against <laughs> ruck, yeah. Spider Everett and Stewie Lowe in the ruck, and and they're a big man.
0: And I think you even, did you end up back at, when you were at Labrador, was, uh, was
2: that with Spider as well? Yeah, big Spider played at Labrador for a few times when yeah. he turned
0: up. So that was when he turned up, OK, after he was doing his triple N gig.
2: Lost a grand final, which hurt. Yeah, well, that was 2-9, uh,
0: two two wasn't it? Yep. Um, so, but, you know, like, obviously, it, one of the things we really like talking about is that, you know, like, is that, that, you know, that thing of moving from, as I said, professional football, where you, you know, you get up and do your pilates and you might do your runs and you do whatever, whatever, is how hard was that? You know, living that life, and then and then that day that you said in September, 2009, well, my my career is over. And you were lucky enough, I guess. I think, as I said, you were part of that evolution of teaching people that we need to teach these kids to have something after football because the the the, the biggest issue is that there's nothing for them after footy, and it's a massive downslide. And you started you started with a chippy trade, I think.
2: Yeah, I did. I was always handy at school. That you know, the woodwork and all that sort of thing, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's not hard for certain people. Like, certain people have these... Football's not their number one. Like, you get the... There's the academics. Like, we had guys mm-hmm. who were studying to be lawyers and vets and all that sort of They know what they're going to do.
1: Yeah.
2: It's the guys that just get through school and... And I'm finding out now that... And my wife reckons I'm, you know, ADHD. I'm dyslexic for sure. Yeah. You've seen some of my yeah, text some messages. Some of your <laughs> um, Welcome to the club. They're broken Japanese opera at sometimes. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, it's not easy for, for, for that group of people that, that they're not educated. Yeah. They don't really know what they do. Football's their number one. Yeah. Which, you know, for, for ten years, and it's a good ride. Yeah. But then you get to 30 and it's like, what am I going to do? And nine times out of ten... At 30, you're probably married and you've probably got kids. You've got to support that. Yeah. If you don't have to support that, then you can sort of trial a few things. But if you you, you might get forced into some of those things that you, you might be in a job for 10 years, and you don't like because you've had to support a mortgage and a family and all that sort of stuff. Because in my era, you're probably not quite, unless you're a gun, like a Vossi or a Branny, yeah. those blokes can set themselves up. But yeah. Top, that's the top three or four players in Brisbane. If As you get down, you, you're not really setting yourself up. Now they might.
3: Because, as I said, I was on 20 grand mm. a year. So, so there's a substantial scale difference in income for different players, is that right? Huge, huge scale yeah. difference, yeah. yeah.
2: Right. Like, I was on 20 grand. Vossi might have been on 500.
3: Yeah,
2: right. Um, and deservedly so. Just run a brown low, he's your captain, all that sort of stuff. And the draft sets limits, so every player comes in they get drafted they're on 20 grand yep unless they play senior straight away then you get match payments now they come in they're on 120 grand yeah straight
0: yeah,
3: out
2: I, of high school 17
3: this is a rookie
2: as a rookie okay. yeah so it's easy Wow, get,
3: that's yeah that's a lot of money for 17 year old there'd be a variety of sort of uh, I guess like uh, probably ways that you'd sort of think well because the other factor that you mentioned too was the fact that you had by 30, you've got other responsibilities, so that window of, I can't fuck around, I've basically got to get into something and start doing it. Now, I can move around once I'm in there, but there's really not a, a lot of time to wait, is there?
2: No, not not in my era, but yeah. there is now. And before my era, there probably wasn't. But before, when I got there, I remember Sean Hart had a, a fruit business, Richard Champion worked for a cheese Place, but yeah. they worked like long hours. Yeah. Danny Dickfoss come in. He was working night shift at the hospital. Yeah. And can't then come into training. Yeah. Like, but in Melbourne, do you reckon Greg Williams is working very hard? Oh. Hell no. Different story. Because they're getting looked after by these big companies. That yeah. Like, I'll come in here and we'll you know we'll set up. Yeah. You know, then you
1: got like third party people involved with the club who were given little incentives and whatnot, so everyone's sort of propped up and. You know, I mean, like, yeah, Brisbane's a different story.
2: It is, yeah. yeah. And Sydney would be the same. They wouldn't have the, they'd have all those NRL guys to compete against. And they yeah. got, you know,
3: they, Brisbane did it hard. So when you transitioned from playing to, did you have to do an apprenticeship? Because that's fairly low wages too, isn't it, when you're starting out? Like. Yeah, it
2: is. You get a mature, i got a mature age apprenticeship. Yeah. I, I started it my last couple of years of footy. So I knew it was coming to an end. So I started one day a week, um, with a guy I knew from Warnerball. He put me on, and we started one day a week, and for two years. And I fast tracked my apprenticeship and and learned on the job pretty quick. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. If and they, and they're doing it better now. Like you can, and even traineeships and mm. apprenticeships are they're a lot more flexible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because oh, yeah.
0: I think they realised the fall, uh, and you just talked about it before, is that, and, uh, you know, obviously Branny and, and uh, Timmy are great mates. And in fact, um, uh, you know, when Timmy was, was there, was took Branny under the wing. And, you know, from that point is that, you know, there was very much this belief that, you know, football had gone to professional from... Where you had a you had a job, as Jib said, there was there's people that that actually like Greg Williams probably worked with VisiBoard, you know, because that was Carlton. Um, at the end of the day, is that there are people that were just elite people in perception, and people that struggled to just get there. Um, so you know, to me, obviously you, you you push through the barriers there. I mean, it's no mean feat in terms of you played 208 games. That's a life membership. As soon as you hit 200 games, it's life. Uh,
3: Over
0: so 10 it, years. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, from that point, is that I don't know how many life members there are at, at Brisbane.
2: No, I'm not sure. Um, there are circumstances where you can get a life membership. Like Brad Scott didn't play... Uh, I think it's 150. 150, At okay. Brisbane. Um, because he played in the flags and uh, the board can come in and say you get a life membership. I'm not sure how many there are, but... Mate, I'm proud of proud yeah. of staying here. I, I got the i I could have left. I could have gone to a couple of clubs, and I'll touch on that a bit later. There yeah. was four clubs. My manager said to choose. This is after O three when I got dropped and had a few too many sherbets on the sidelines. And a couple of stories there. Lee was like gonna sack me basically, but I had a year to go, and I I chose four clubs, and all of them won grand finals within four or five years after I after so,
0: I left. So yeah. that's, that that's a question itself because you know there's a lot of things here I mean Timmy as I said um, we've, we've been out plenty of times and we've talked a lot of things but you know this is probably more in depth in talking about footy um, so there's some thing, things I haven't heard here I've, like I didn't know that you were up for trade so how was that because you were always a Brisbane boy so I would have never thought at any stage you were anything other than a Brisbane boy so when, when was the trade on the
2: table O three grand final, I, so I missed the O three grand final, which we spoke about. I got mm. injured mid year, um, got back into the team, but I was wasn't playing well. Yeah. Got dropped, end up getting dropped for the grand final, and that was Thursday night at the airport. And once Lee had made that decision, my decision quickly went to seasons done. Yeah, yeah. time to get on the drink, yeah. which I love. The end of the <laughs> season, it was my time to shine. And I loved it. I did, and that's what that's what I played footy for majority of the time with my teammates and having a good time. I loved the footy trips. Yeah. We'd organise all those, and and I I regret what, probably regret doing this. We we I started drinking as soon as the siren went yeah. when the ball went up. So my teammates are out there battling their ass off, and I didn't know there could be a draw. I didn't even think it could be a draw, and I could have to play the next week, yeah. but me and uh, Dylan McLaren was one we got on the drink straight away yeah I think God Brisbane won by a heap but we just won three grand finals in a row everyone's pumped and come Wednesday Lee gets everyone in and Brandy's wearing a fuck Collingwood hat that someone <laughs> gave him and blokes they've done media interviews and I think Robbie Copeland potted Nathan Barkley and said who's Nathan Barkley and all, all this sort of stuff and so we walk into a meeting on the Wednesday and Lee's got steam coming out his ears. I'm like, oh. "What's going on here?" Like we just won three in a row. Yeah, we've been on Mad Monday. We've had a good couple of days and Lee Brandy took <laughs> Brandy took the hat off and, and he and he had a bit of a go at people for getting in ahead of himself and he goes, "For the blokes that were drinking during the grand final, and he goes, Tim, you weren't drinking, you were pissed." Oh. And I was like Right So then I thought Oh this is not good I had a year to go On my contract But anyway Leper was getting married Had a wedding I got a phone call From Gabby Saying we want to have A meeting on Thursday And I'm like Oh I'm at a I'm at a Bucks party here So I said Yeah right So Brandy come and picked me up In the morning Because I was We'd had a big night He goes You've got to go To this meeting Gabby it's right. So anyway We sat down With Gabby And Lee And Lee goes We want to trade you And I was like played 100 games he goes you're 24 25 you got currency we'll get you to wherever you want to go you got a year to go um we think it'd be a good time for you to go somewhere and still have a career and we'll do whatever we can and i just i was just sitting there staring at him and gubby thinking i am so hungover (laughs) it's not funny (laughs) and brandy was waiting outside for me what's going on what's going on i said oh they want to trade me and Brennan just goes, oh, tell him to piss off, you've got a contract, you're right. Um, so I rang my manager, who he'd already known, because Gabby had already rang them, and um, long story short, we went to New Orleans on a footy trip, and I just rang up and said, nah, I'm I'm staying for one more year, I'm going to prove myself, get my body right. And then we played in the '04 uh, 4 grand final. Yep. So if they don't so if watch that, you,
1: that year you're coming off contract, you can't do nothing about it. If right. that
2: year I was coming off contract, they could just sack me. Sack yeah. Ladder.
1: yeah.
2: And then I would just go back into the draft. Or they could say, we're going to trade you if you don't accept going to the draft. Then yeah. Good luck.
0: Because mm. back then there wasn't free trade. No. No, so contract was a contract. And um, so you then signed for the next two, one, two, three. You, you were year by year. Were you, I
2: was. I went two, 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 two years until towards the end. Then I went one by one by yep. one. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, look, I, I guess that, you know, you look at your footy and certainly, obviously, you know, I think there's something massively to be proud of that you, you were just a one-club person. Um, and I think that a lot of people always look at Tim Nottingham and go, look, he played just at the Lions. I mean, you had, you had opportunities, as you just said, to go to other clubs. And who knows whether that would have taken you. Um, four of those clubs played in grannies or whatever.
2: The four clubs were West Coast? Yep. Sydney? Yep. Hawthorne and Geelong. Okay. I, m- I met with West Coast, flew over to Perth, met with West Coast. Main they were They were the number one, probably. Yeah, we met with Mainwaring and all those boys. And they were good, showed me through the club. Hawth- uh, Hawthorne flew up, yep. um, had a meeting with those guys. And then I was going to meet with the others when I got back from New Orleans.
0: What do you... And so it, it's interesting you say West Coast because you, you look at... In your era, because I say one of one of the parts about your era was some of the centres of all time was you know the the four or five in in um, in Brisbane, Blackie, Power, Lappin, um, yeah, the guys there. You look at you look at West Coast, Jard, Cousins. How do you rate the two? <laughs>
2: It's hard to it's hard to go against your team. Yeah. Because you train with them you play with them you you form bonds, but we were a good team across the board. Like everyone talks they were unbelievable. Like Blackie, Vossi, Acker, Luke Power, Lappin. Yeah. Lappin's very underrated. He's a superstar. Yeah. Um and then you look at Judd, Kerr, Cousins, yeah. Embley, all those sort of players, Fletcher. It's 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 hard. It's yeah. hard, but I'd I'd take ours. Question from
0: that. I mean, you've played against many players, and, and we've asked this question before. I mean, yeah. who probably is the best player you played with?
2: It's a tough question. It's, it's,
0: that's, it's that's that's why we have a podcast.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it's it's different for me because...
1: So many different angles, isn't it? There's angles. There's, yeah.
2: there's midfielders, there's forwards, there's... Yeah. And, and like, I played with Vossi probably Vossi and Brown, I, I would say the top two that I played with and then Lapid and Johnson after that.
0: What about someone against?
2: I had to play on Carey for a quarter, which was which was nasty. One of the boys went down, but I, I'll, I won't say him because I didn't play any much, but I played on Andrew Embley and a few times, and he was one guy that was my height and could run. Yeah. And that was my advantage: is that I could really run could all run, day. Yeah. And I, but I was tall, so there wasn't many tall wingmen when I played. He was one that could run all day, yeah. so I always had come off that game thinking I've had a. It's been a tough game. In front of Jacob. Should be a game buster, this bloke. And nodding, it is. He's got fresh legs. He kicks goals and he can run up and
0: down the track. Not- Look, I mean, so you. You've made the decision. I mean, and look, probably a question I want to ask before we we move on out of the lines is that, you know, you had certain milestones. It's like, you know, your 18th birthday, your 21st. I mean, you've had your 100th game. You had your 150th. You played your 200. You played one and two. Um, You, you know, don't want to bring it down, but you played the 204 losing grand final. Best moment in footy.
2: That's a tough question too. Yeah, I don't. I won't say my first. That's the first grand final is the best moment for me. Like,
1: yeah.
2: when you can break it down after you've retired, because everyone will say their first game was so special. Da, da da da. But that we got the chance to play in the grand final and win it, the first one for Brisbane. So that was probably my best moment playing on the field. Everything that happened afterwards, you know, I don't know who who did it after the grand final, but. Just took all the players and coaches into a separate little room, and you got in a circle, and you had one thing to say to the one person beside you, why you appreciated or why you liked that person, and it went around, and and no one else was allowed in the room. Was this pre-game? This was after the game. After the this game. is after we yeah. won, but there was people everywhere. This is two o one. Oh yeah. This is one Yeah. And whoever organised it, it would have been one of those. The guys that went to uni, probably Lou Power would have organised that. Because um, <laughs> he's very sentimental. And, and a gun. And he reads a lot of books and all that sort of stuff. But whoever organised it was perfect because we didn't know what was about to come. We were, we, we were swamped. From As soon as we walked out that little room that we had, that little powwow, there was media, there was family, there was commitments every day. There was a commitment for a whole week until the best and fairest the following Saturday night. And we didn't we weren't prepared, we weren't ready for that. But it just it just evolved. Yeah. Um so that was a really cool moment that you get to to go back on. And I reckon a lot of players that played that game would, would say something like that. That's that, that standout
1: yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah. Quick question. What what was the feeling like when you were preparing for that? Like like preparing the battle like all of you guys together, ready to get out there, GF, ready to go. How, how's how's that feeling?
2: Not it, like it's a bit different because there's so much going on. Yeah. We, we've had a parade. Ansett went under, so we had to find an aeroplane that would take us to Melbourne. Okay, yeah. so we charted a, a green aeroplane which had no riding on it. Yeah, um, not the Who knows what? Who who was flying? And then we, so we get down there. Um, and this is September eleven, right, two thousand and twenty one. Yeah, yeah, right, so oh, uh, two thousand
1: one, yeah,
2: two thousand one. So yeah, there's been planes flying into buildings, Ansett's gone under.
3: Yeah,
2: everyone's on edge. So anyway, we get to Melbourne, we do a parade, and this is pretty cool. And it just—it's a big blur, really, compared to most games. Like most games, I would throw up every game. Wow, without a doubt. Yeah. before the game, quarter time. Wow, yeah. this game I didn't. It was just. Something so different. Much, something different. Something going on, yeah. It's
3: almost like the, as the ride's going, there's so much stimulus that you're not even sort of focused on being nervous or anything like that.
2: Yeah, well, there's only two teams left and one's going to win and one's going to lose and that's yeah. the end of the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a weird feeling.
3: Yeah.
2: So with, at
0: what stage do you then say that your football's very serious? Because you know, like with any guy that sort of makes it, it's... You know, I say there's a lot of luck involved with making an AFL and we all could say there's people we know that we've played footy with and maybe even Ballarat that you've seen that was very good players, just didn't make it, you know. Was the 99, was, was that rising star nomination, did that say to you, hey, I've got a future in football? Was that the moment or what stage did you say, I've got a foot, I've got a future in footy?
2: I don't reckon I really did, to yeah. be honest. I was just floating. I did, I, every year for me was... I was. It took me a couple of years to work out. right I need to. If I want to stay in footy, I've got to learn how to run better yep. and train harder. Um. But I never really thought that I'd ever made it. I was always thought that Thursday night's coming. Am I getting a phone call? Yeah. Is a coach going to ring me? Am I getting dropped? So I was like, I never really thought I would made it until sort of after those grand finals. In between when I was getting a a lot of the ball and you know there'd be everyone was sort of relying on you there was different roles but I until I really learned how to push myself and train hard then I sort of worked out what I had to do to become a good footballer
1: so he didn't go in and try and body on body...
0: Because that's an interesting mindset because all of a sudden you've just said to me then is that, I mean, you know, 208 games, as I said, there's no mean feat. At, at no point you were comfortable that you were getting a game next week.
2: No, not really. Uh, only when Lammy come to Craig Lambert was a a good mate of ours and yeah. and he was assistant coach. He came to me one day and goes, you look a little bit tired, we're going to give you a training session off. I'm like, What? What What do you mean? And that instantly, my brain goes, oh, I'm not playing. Yeah. He goes, no, no, you, you're really important. We need you fresh. And that's when I sort of thought, oh, maybe I am a little bit, you know, entrenched into this team. Uh, and then Lee would give me a few different roles that were pretty important to how the, the team would set up. So then you sort of felt a bit comfortable. But there was always kids coming up.
3: Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, but we,
2: you know...
0: You're playing games, you know, we we get to 30, we get to 40, you know, you get to 60, you, you're travelling through. I mean, I find it hard to understand that Tim Nighting didn't understand that he was a good player and, and I'm going to get selected next week. It sounds to me like you were never confident that that was going to happen.
2: No, I wasn't. I was never confident because you got a list of 40 yeah. and every one of those players that's not in the team is just... Picking a player you can get. He's not taking Vossie's spot. but He's not taking Brownie's spot. Oh, so it? those
1: the, Vossie and Brownie, they're, they're in. They're, oh, they're, they're, they're in. They're marquee. Yeah. In. So everyone else is jostling for those spots. Right?
2: There's three spots or four spots available. On a, most of them yeah. spots are set. You're going to take Alistair Lynch out. You're going to take Mel Michael, yeah. Leppich They're all in. Yeah. They're, they're there. Mm. So there's a little group of players that if they have a. I've got to play 10 really good games. If I had two bad ones, Craig Bolton is in the reserves. Dominating, and he ended up going on to play. He ended up going on to play two hundred games for Sydney Swans, captain, dual All Australian. He wow. couldn't get a game in our team. Yeah, those guys were knocking on the door. So, and I knew how good those guys were at playing. So, yeah, it's always you're always on the. I thought I was always on the edge, and yeah, maybe right. and maybe the that, club. Yeah, that makes sense
1: that. when you when you when you explain it like that. That makes sense. But like like macca was saying it. You can't take away the fact that to even perform at a high level and to be an elite athlete in a professional like you know in the professional arena like tim honestly you're you're one of the you know one of the people that get to actually live their dreams you know what i mean so that's where mac is saying like it's hard to believe but that's your mindset i guess you know and and you wouldn't be able to understand it unless you were in your shoes to see it, you know. But to everyone else, it's like, mate, right, you're Tim nodding. you you know. You're well, I, I, lion, sort, of,
0: I yeah. sort of wondered, did that affect your performance? Because you may be negative on yourself.
2: Maybe, maybe it helped. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, I don't know how that... It's an interesting thing to a think a, about. when you look cause back.
3: Can I answer this question? Were, were you, when you were young and you, was, you just started playing, you know, when you were teen or whatever... Did you find yourself having a lot of natural ability so you didn't have to train that hard? I, I always loved
2: playing footy. Yeah. I, I followed my dad around playing footy. My brothers all played, my uncles. Uh, I, was just, I was one of four boys. My older brother, I caught up to him really quickly yep. in yep. terms of footy. Uh, I come from a small country town, so the talent was diluted, I suppose, or sure. diluted. Um, so I was always pretty good around town, but there's a in towns there's yeah. a and yeah. a me around the town yeah. That's, yeah. and as Maka said there's a lot of luck that guy doesn't do his ankle I don't play for Ballarat I don't yeah. Yeah. get a game I mean, and, the reason- and, and that's in my mind as well
3: sure yeah. I mean why I asked that question was what you said earlier that um, it was maybe two three years in that you went you took sort of account of your own abilities and went actually you know if I want to stay and then I've got to sharpen up on whether it was running or whatever it was right yeah so it felt to me that it was like, with what you were saying, it, was, it wasn't it was until then that you sort of <clears throat> had any sort of confidence that, OK, no, I'm in the team, I'm in, as long as I do these things, I've got some agency in how this goes. Whereas previously to that, it's like, well, it's on the vagaries of what everybody else thinks, you know. Like,
2: yeah, exactly. So my first couple of pre-seasons coming back from being on holidays, straight back to Victoria, eight weeks with your mates, every weekend on the booze. Not even training, not once. But I'd come back from that and we'd do a run, i will be top ten. And one of the boys would go, how much training did you do? I said, not one.
3: Yeah, see, and that's what I'm, It's interesting. It's so I was blessed yeah. with mm. the ability to be
2: able to push myself and run. But when I worked out that if I go away for the eight weeks, I can still have a few drinks, but then I can train. I come back and then all of a sudden I'm not coming 12th, I'm coming third and fourth.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Then you're competing against the guys you're training with and they... and I don't know, it's, a hard, it's well, hard to put your put your name and, on it.
0: And that's where, you know, we, we, as I've said, we talked about before, is that there are people with natural ability, you know, and Timmy's probably one of those people that probably underestimate what he was yeah. in terms of exactly what he just said then, is that I reckon when I was at St Paul Tomei was a professional runner. He could run the tan track in twice around in 28 minutes, you know, like a freak. There are people Timmy oh. could run. So all of a sudden want to apply yourself I go from 13th to 3rd just by doing a couple of weeks of training yeah some people are blessed with running
1: yeah
0: um I didn't like running you probably did I don't know um
2: no I did I do and I still do but I also worked out pretty soon that if I don't do that training, I'm gonna slowly
3: slide backwards slide
2: backwards yeah but if I did all the training I could have a release at the weekend
3: yeah, I can yeah, get yeah,
2: yeah. fit enough, and I can have my release. Yeah, mm. if I was training hard and I was winning it, why can't I go out on a Friday night or a yeah. Saturday night? You know,
0: it, it is interesting. As I said, um, Timmy played in a in a in a like a transient sort of time mm. um, because there is a very clear cut when it was VFL and probably yeah. 19, We talked about before it was 1990, 91 You know, City Swan started was the first one with Edelston, and. Brisbane Bears came on, and yeah. it was very bad football. You know, you had you were lucky enough. At, well, I actually don't remember. You could probably tell me is the year that um, the Bears started, but you came into a time when you were only a couple of years short of. Then it was, you were playing grand finals. You're you, were, you were a lucky player from that point of view, but you also then went through that for ten years of good footy, um, and that's you know as I said aberration in terms of playing that good footy, and probably to a certain extent questioning yourself which you probably shouldn't have
2: well, maybe that was a mechanism that I had maybe yeah. that was something that I that made me tick I yeah. don't know maybe I just didn't want to get comfortable a mate of mine said when I got drafted guys you're going in the grand, grand final team I said yeah but I'm not getting a game like, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: they got seven of the best Fitzroy players coming up to join Brisbane who were just on the way up I said I'm not playing I'm not playing that grand final but only one of those Fitzroy guys played in the grand final.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. So most of them guys left. And then I mean he's just uh so I, I don't know, it's a mindset that I had that I didn't want to get comfortable maybe. But I also I don't know, it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing to do when you've got so many elite players around you. You're playing the two or three percent of players get drafted, and only two or three percent play fifty games. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a luck involved, but there's you know, like I look back and go, oh, with the training, I go, if I didn't drink on the weekends and I, and I really put my mind to it, how good could I could have been? Yeah. But then I sit there and go, maybe I, maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I would have gone. Stuffed this. I'm out. I don't like. I, that's not what I want. Yeah. So there's a balance f- for me in terms of football and and life outside of football that yeah. worked for me.
1: Yeah, to me it seems like you were really comfortable with that fact, like just listening to what you're saying. It's like you were you were comfortable with the fact that look I might not get a game. You know what I mean? But like mentally were you were you okay with that? Like was, was there stress about it? Was were you like thinking, fuck, I hope I do or Every
2: every Thursday there was stress about that. Because when you're in an elite team and that's all you want to do is play senior footy, and yeah. you want to be as good as you can. But, and and I would have been filthy if I didn't play. Yeah. But I suppose I diverted a bit of the pressure off myself mm. in other ways. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough.
2: So,
0: all right, we move on from that in terms of like you you, you played a good career at at, at lines, and and obviously um, with. I think some are probably the best names that played at, at that time. I mean, one, two, three—very, oh, uh, yeah. very few teams. I think, I think there's only one team that's ever done four. Is there? I think uh, Collingwood. Yeah, um, yeah, I think Collingwood. But, but it, I think at the end of the day is that you know, they were in an era of dominance. A oh, killer, um, like killer and so team. Yeah, you were part of that, and so then you've, you've two thousand nine. You've said I've finished. Um, what says to you that I'm going to? Just still give it another few years and play uh, footy at local level. So you went to you went to Labrador, played a couple of years there. Was it two or three?
2: Yeah, played three years. So a mate of mine was involved at Labrador, and I had a meeting with Morningside, and I had a meeting with Labrador, and I was and one with Aspley, and it was purely that was purely financial yep. for me. Yep. I loved, I love footy, and I wanted to always go back and play locally and enjoy the the Thursday night beer read the team out, because that's how I grew up. I yeah. grew up Thursday night. The women would cook, the men would come off, and we'd read the team out. Yeah. Reserves, the netballers would read the team out, and the last team would be the seniors. And I, and I always wanted to go back and do that. But Labrador um, offered me the best deal for me at the time. It was a bit of travel, but that supplemented me being on an apprenticeship wage after I retired. So it needed that
0: cash boost was it? Did you go there because of um, was it Shacks or with a trip Noble
2: or yeah Aaron Shattuck. I was good mates with Aaron Shattuck. We we thought we were going to be scuba diving instructors halfway through our footy careers, and and the AFL were paying for courses, and that was one of them. And it got me out of <laughs> we we're going to be scuba diving instructors because there was marine biologists girls hanging around, and we we had the world at our feet um, until the first time I went out there and got seasick. And, It changed everything. Isn't that
0: (laughs) that a terrible feeling?
2: You sort of, and you
0: had a good career at um, at Labrador, and then you went to Yoronga. That's right. And um, in fact, uh, we we have to mention this now because he got to mention it. He has absolutely drilled us on this. it? But the stats of this is probably more impressive. Is that you hold the record for twenty-one goals, (laughs) thirteen points, two out of bounds. Um. The record previous to that was eighteen goals. Uh, Docker, <laughs> shout out to Docker Doc, uh, says he gave you fifteen lace
2: out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Docker got a kick that day. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't hear about that. He hit me lace out a few times, but Docker was actually my first boss when I yeah he he, he was the only got he loved his footy. He came from Victoria, so he actually gave me my first start as apprenticeship while I was still playing footy. So that's how I got to meet Docker, but. In terms of lace out, wow, well, not sure about that. But. Yeah.
0: But, hey, that's, and I actually do remember when someone said to me, uh, Possum's kicked 21 goals on the weekend. I'm going, jeez, that's one every four minutes. Yeah. yeah. I just pictured him just killing everything. What, <laughs> like what, just and <laughs> sorry, 21 goals, 13 points. That's 34 scoring shots and two out of bounds, 36. That's one every two minutes.
2: Yeah, Gross. but you got to put it into context. We're playing against Wyndham. and <laughs> the Vikings. F- the Vikings, and they're a bit short. Okay. <laughs> their, <laughs> their football manager played on me. He was fifty, and he had runners on. Okay. So you got to put it
0: into a bit don't of put it down Tim.
2: perspective. It's but no, I, we had a good team, but Under and that was going to uh, going to Yeronga was because um, I just finished my apprenticeship, yeah. but I needed work, yeah. so I spoke to uh, the coach. Robert, uh, rabbit, rabbit, and he said, "Leave it with me." And Matt, uh, Brown, his brother was coaching there. Manny Brown, yeah. And he goes, "Right, how are we gonna, how are we gonna get you?" I said, "You get me a job and a little bit of folding yeah. after the game and a schnitzel on Thursday night, and and I'm in." Yeah. So they found me a job as a as a carpenter in Brisbane, um, and yeah, played two seasons there as well. So. D- you then,
0: you then move from footy, and obviously you've done your apprenticeship, and, uh, and in fact you've got a very reputable uh, building company now, but that, that must have been a scary time for you, sort of moving from footy to transition into the chippy stage, and then all of a sudden you say, hey, um, I'm going to take on a full-time job and build houses.
2: Very, very scary. Life's, just, life's not easy, life's a scary place. If you break yeah, it, if you break it down, it's not oh, easy. just a
3: cursory glance yeah. that makes you go fuck. <laughs> well, yeah,
2: well, yeah. Mm. Um, you got this life that you've got to do for a long time, and it's yeah. there's no right or wrongs. But it's mm.
0: no, when you got kids and
3: you got mortgages, and 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 you got to make some decisions that you got to stick with. And so was that was that your situation at, at that time? You had kids already, and you were yep, yeah, had so, a house and you partnered, or yep, yep. Um, I got
2: married a, the year after I retired. We did a crash um, marriage in Bali. Yeah. Uh, Neil played guitar that night and um, <laughs> performed quite well was on a the balcony.
0: A couple of stories coming out. Um,
2: <laughs> but we knew we wanted to get married and we just wanted to get it done and we, we sent invites out to everybody and did it a specific weekend. And, and I was still playing footy then and I have an older boy as well who... Um, who got to see me play a few games? But um, I'm thinking about making a comeback. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're thinking maybe? just to get the boys to have a bit of a look. Really playing the twos? Who are you going to play? I'll go back to the Devils so at Do You
0: reckon you'll? Uh, oh, well, look, I'm I'm thinking you will probably still kick five or six, and just as I'm keen to on, see it on a day out, I'm keen to see it. I, you know what? <laughs> I, if you do it, I'll go back to. Well, I'll, I'll tap one, two. but um, and mate, I, look, you you're a you're a fit 43 year old. I mean, you've you've kept yourself. I mean, you you. If I could have a dollar for every time you said to me that you're the male model. Um, and, in fact, Arby, um, one of the guys obviously on the park po- podcast here, said, hey, you're a good-looking guy. And I said, don't give him a wrap-up. <laughs> um, but um, back in the day, of course, we used to go to the Chalk because that used to be the place of um, uh, for the Lions, wasn't it?
2: Oh, the Chalk, you name them, we went. We name them. Yeah. We
0: had a couple of nights. In fact... Uh, Timmy, we, we sort of we we to a couple of stories. I guess is uh, where do we start? and Where do we finish? But uh, this is this is, where, this is where it gets interesting because we've we've got out of the uh, we've got out of the football scene. Now it becomes the fun part. We talk about a couple of stories. But uh, one of the great stories was uh, the trip to Thailand, wasn't it?
2: Well, kinda we kind of almost got there. Well, tell us. There, well, there was ten of us. Bound for Louis, which was a, was going to be an awesome trip. We'd we raised all this money, Fraser Garrick, Stephen Lawrence, Craig Lambert, Justin Leppage, Jonathan Brown, a couple of other boys. Were, there was 10 of us all up, and we we're going to tie in for five nights, but... Some of us thought, well, let's start it early in Brisbane. <laughs> let's start it three days early, and that was probably the the beginning of the end. I reckon we're starting it a little bit early, but you made it, you made it to the plane. Yeah, we made the plane. Craig McRae was there, so um, two of them have gone on to the senior coaches in AFL. So we must not have been too bad, but it was very interesting. To, <laughs> an interesting trip. Well, we did We didn't. I didn't get there, but I got to. I got to the airport in Bangkok, and then. Back to Sydney, but
0: Well, you all you all had to come back. I mean it was um it was not all, all of us. Not all? Oh, you didn't all come back.
2: No, no, not all. Three got through and seven got returned.
0: <laughs> it was like the the Bali Nine <laughs> exactly. the Bali Ten.
2: <laughs> we we ca- it was a year after the Bali Nine and we called it the Bangkok seven. So
3: it's <laughs> <laughs> got a good ring to it actually. Yeah.
2: Well, so anyway, we were we probably deserved it in the end, really, but probably not. Uh, we we probably drunk too much before the flight, too much on the flight, and then they cut us off. So then we had duty-free, and we got rowdy and got returned. Seven uh, seven got returned to Sydney. Three got let through. The three that got let through, that's probably why they're both coaches in the NFL <laughs> now, and, a, and, a, and an unnamed... Craig Taylor from Melbourne um, got <laughs> that through.
0: Big tails.
2: Um, and they had the kitty with all the cash in it, so they had a ten-bedroom villa on the cliffs of Koh Samui with three of them. Oh. And we got to spend three nights in Sydney, at three hundred bucks a day. So, so what
3: was the? So when you got to when you got to the, where was it? Thailand. Thailand. When you got to Thailand. I remember seeing these little Thai guys at the airport who were military guys and they had they had machine guns, like submachine guns. You don't see that in Australia, right? Like, especially back then.
2: No, no, I certainly saw
3: about 15 of those when we landed. Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask you, so what what was the scene when you landed? What are they, Did they take in a room and say, guys... Um... Yeah, we got taken in.
2: So we got a note mm. with about an hour to go saying these are the 10 things you do not do on an aeroplane on Thai Airways. And we've... Yep, we've done that, yeah. (laughs) Ticked them all. We ticked nine out of the ten boxes (laughs) on that list and so when the plane lands, we just thought they, like, they they landed and then we heard something over the speakers and it was please remain seated, da-da-da-da, and everyone clapped and we are like, yeah, we're there, no big deal, but everyone had to remain seated and then 15 of those... Thai military guys with the guns that you speak about earlier come onto the plane and just pointed at all seven of us. said, give us your passport. Off you come. We got let off first. We thought, oh, well, perfect. we straight through. <laughs> that wasn't the case at all. We went straight into this little room and uh, sat there for a couple of hours. And we thought we were almost. We thought we'd, you know,
3: we'd get through. But uh, so we we starting to sober up by the time they talk to you. or...?
2: No, because they still let us (laughs) drink at the airport. No.
3: So (laughs) so,
2: one one of the guys on the trip that's already done one of these podcasts walks back with a plastic bag full of, I think it was elephant beer over there in um, Thailand. But, yeah, so they basically stamped our passports and put us on the next flight back to Sydney, seven of us. And we had no contact with the three that got let through. Yeah. Yeah. And they sent us back to Sydney with a big purple stamp on our passport that we couldn't read, and it was basically... We weren't the highest-rate criminals, but we were pretty close. Yeah,
3: we'll send you back. We won't put you in jail, but we'll send you
2: back. And that passport stamp said, no, 12 months, ban. you're not going to back. Yeah. yeah, right.
0: But we'll, we'll go through a couple of the stories as we, as we uh, un, unravel this uh, a, a magical uh, mystery tour. But um, certainly, you know, Timmy, you've... Um, after footy I mean we always talk that uh, some of the great times obviously the nights out with the boys that's the most important isn't it for me it is yeah
2: yeah I and, and it probably stems way back from when I grew up but i got i got a close group of friends that we still catch up once a year seven or eight of us go away on a, on a boys weekend and I think in my f- f- the way I think about Life and the way things work is you you work hard, you play hard, but you still can enjoy your mm. weekends, and that was what it was all about for me. And that's how I played footy. That's how, I still do it now. I still love a beer after work on a Friday. Mm. Can't wait to Friday knockoffs. It's. Yeah. Do you think?
0: Do you think that um, football squashed that? Like stopped what may have been 10 years ago where you you were able to do that?
2: Now, the football is playing now. I I think to an extent because the stakes are higher, they earn more money, they're more professional. They grow up in the under-18 competition knowing that. So they come in and they're already trained in that professionalism where we we weren't, so we were in between. So I grew up when coming through footy that you still go out you train Friday afternoon. You didn't go back to train until Monday afternoon. So you had the whole weekend mm. where they train Saturday mornings. They'll train Sunday afternoons. It's different. So they learn that from a young age now. But when I was coming through, it's it was different. Yeah,
0: look, it. it what what becomes favourite is it? You know, look. I mean, obviously, you know, with with games, we've talked about the milestones and, and certainly playing the premierships. Is that that is without doubt, you know, history and, and really good fond memories. But, and I can think of a, quite a few stories in terms of memories as a result of friendships through footy. What becomes more important, the the friendships created because of footy or the friendships on the field that create the moments that, that you remember, as we say, what was the most important time? You say, well, maybe maybe the premiership, maybe it was the first game. Or was it the friendships afterwards?
2: Probably, Probably everything, really. It's... It's a key part of your life. From yeah. 20 to 30, it's, it's mm. a key part of your life. And you, and you have your schoolmates, but then you have these group of mates that you do everything with because mm. you come from interstate. You don't have your... My schoolmates aren't here, and neither are Brownies, and neither is Lou Powers, and neither is Simon Blacks because yeah. we're all state coming into this town. So we're, we're mates. We have to be mates. If mm. we're not mates, it doesn't work. Yeah. And we and we got to know each other really well, and, we'd be, and most of us are mates, so like and we'll catch up all the time but footy's a path that leads you to like-minded people You, you catch up all the time they're they're going to be your friends for life they go different paths but you can always catch up and they'll always be there yeah and look
0: again we've talked about this with many of the podcasts is that you know we always say it seems to take us this way is that you know tim you've you know, again, to me tonight was quite um, quite astonishing to hear that you, you weren't overly confident in, in being picked the, the following week. So adversity has been a part of your life, which you've actually gone through and dealt with very well. Um, you know, um, we talk about you know you had your first first kid, and then and then obviously you met you met and, and you know the... You've had to go through that stages of adversity. How did you deal with it after footy?
2: You keep busy. You just you just do. Like I'm not one that needs 50 best friends. Mm. I don't need that. I I've got a very broad friendship group that if someone will ring me up, we're going out. They're not we're not best mates. We don't speak every week. You get. Two or three real good mates that you're mates with all the time, but if you're a good person, you'll, you'll meet all these people along the way and you'll catch up. You yeah. might be at a bar, you might be at a restaurant, you might be somewhere, and you'll, you'll always have a beer with that person because they're, they're good mates. But the adversity stuff, I think I grew up pretty wild. Like, I, I grew up, a, my old man was a shearer. My mum worked in a chicken farm. She became a florist. I got one of four boys. My brother had a severe car accident. When I was 16, and he's still like he's so he, he was he's still mentally um, disabled. He's in a permanent wheelchair, permanent care. So mum and dad were in Melbourne all the time. I grew up with adversity in my life the whole time. So I, it's it's part of it. It's water off a duck's back, I suppose, to me now. But
0: yeah, but it, we we talk about the top of the tree. There is positive and negative. Um, you've obviously decided to put yourself in the positive circle because adversity could have kicked you into that negative circle. You decide to stay in that side where you dealt with it.
2: Yeah, you have to because you're, you're not here that long. No, like, and we, we you've don't know a, My theory is there's no... You can't change... Once I walk out of here tonight, I, I, I can't take anything I say back. It's there. You can't change the past. And I don't want to. And I wouldn't want to. Mm. But... You got. If you're not positive, you just—it's a sad existence, I think. So you, I, I try and be positive with most things I do. Don't get me wrong. I come home and I'm grumpy. I'm not bouncy positive, but you, if you can't learn from something and move forward, then what's the point?
0: Was there someone? Was there someone maybe in the football scene, or maybe after the football scene, that you looked at to to pull you back up? Was it? Was it? Was it the family life? Was it? Was it a friend, um, you know, that pulled you through that adversity when you had those things that happened?
2: I've got a good good group of mates that some are footballers and some are close mates from, from school even and you rely on your parents, my wife's parents, my wife. Um, dealing with my, the, the hardest thing I deal with day to day is I haven't seen my son for 12 months. I haven't spoken to him for nine months. And he's 15, nearly 16. And I've got kids that ask where he is and all those sort of things. But um, life goes on. You've got to push forward. You've got all these other things that you need to do in your life. You've got other kids that need you more than you know that they need you. So you just, you get up. I get up at 4.30 every morning and have a coffee and then away I go. It's interesting
3: you said before that, you know, um, because... I think we've all experienced that decade from your 20s to 30s seems to go for a lot longer than, say, your 30s to 40s. Um, so you having that crew at that time, those really formative years, and you're, you're all sort of sharing, going through different passages of life, like marriages and having kids and whatnot over that that section. Um, so I guess, like, when you did go through, let's just say, those media challenges that you went through... Um, could you really rely on those blokes to help you sort of navigate your way through that?
2: Uh, I picked a few. Yeah. There wasn't many because I started to get, um, untrustworthy of most people. Mm. Yeah. Um, and who could you talk to? Who wasn't going to knife in the back? Mm. So, um, I had a couple of good footy mates that I would talk to and I had a couple of good mates that I would talk to from school days, which I still catch up with now, um, it's hard to know who to who's genuine in those situations because mm. social media is crazy at the moment everyone wants to be famous for being on that sort of, all that sort of stuff and it's yeah. so I've gone the other way I don't do much social media I, it's to me it's it's a time waste uh doesn't do much for me and my family so i just i don't do it mm. so
0: is that something you have to tell your kids that because you've taken that attitude that they shouldn't?
2: No, no, not at all. We'll limit their age of when we think they should, and we'll try and guide them through it. But that's it. That's they're not my my boys and my kids aren't me and Jody. Yeah, they they're going to have to work that out for themselves. Yeah, yeah. like I, like we all do. We you got to. We're pretty hard. I'm pretty hard on my kids, and they need to go out. You need to work it out. Like. Mm because kids will come to me and ask dumb questions that you already know i told you that oh yeah yeah, right work it out well they're gonna have to work that out you'll get their they'll get their social media they'll get their trolls they'll get their bullies they'll get Mm. the praises all that sort of stuff will happen but we'll be there to guide them and help them but at some stage you've got to work it out for yourself
3: so is it really different for you being a parent now to when just when you said your dad was a shearer but um I mean, I imagine it was pretty tough then. Like, so is it a really different experience of you parenting your kids now as to when you, how you were brought up? Or?
2: Yeah, I, we, I, th- I think gradually as society goes, you take a bit mm. and you try and improve on it. And I think my dad probably did that with his father, and, and it goes down. But yes, there's 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 a few things that I look going, oh Jesus, that's my dad. I've got to stop that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? But yeah no I, my my parents were hard, but when I look back and i'm only you look back now and go, "Well, you know, I probably deserve most of the of stuff course, that yeah, i've got of course. But,
0: but do you think do you think we're softer on our kids now than our parents were on us
2: yeah hundred percent i think but I think we also learn through professionals and stuff, and yeah you learn how to deal with it more so than what they did then. It's not that long ago that your parents and their parents mm. was pretty wild and pretty raw yeah. in terms of, you know, mechanisms to deal with being a parent. Yeah.
1: Like, well, they were learning on the fly as well. They
2: were learning on the fly, yeah. the income and money. And, yeah. they, and and money comes into parenting and it comes into everything.
1: What's well, the pressures?
2: All our forefathers were probably... There wouldn't be too much money mm. back then, so they are all under pressure. So, yeah.
0: yeah. So, but uh, where do you go with? Um, I think you said your kids were eleven, nine, seven. It? Yep. So, where does where does that? Obviously, you've now got your building company, Stella. I mean, you've gone from chippy to building, building, and that's become very success successful for you. Is that? Um, where's that? Say, Timmy's going to be in ten years with that.
2: Uh, I think with my kids, knowing them, I'll still be working on the tools, probably with them. Yeah. They'll be traded. Yeah. I, I can see it coming. So I'll probably try and guide them through their path and see where they get to. So hopefully it might, my building company, where it gets to, I'm not sure, but it could be passed on. They mm. can take it over, do whatever they need to do. But.
0: It's, it's, so it's, look, it's interesting. We were outside and um, just for people, people talking, is that, um, you know, Timmy, Timmy uh, or Possum, um, is that, uh, you know, obviously, Married Jodie and uh, was an elite swimmer. Obviously, your elite footballer is that, you know. From that point, the worry was always people just seeing you and and, and chasing you to try and find something. That's that becomes a scary thing of life, isn't it? it? That people want to get gains off potentially your your normal life.
2: Yeah. So when when I first started dating Jodie, it was a bit. There was a bit of a media bubble about it, and a bit happen but we went really the other way we went we we hid we wouldn't go to the shopping center together we would just hibernate really Mm -hmm. um and as our kids get a bit older and develop that sort of stuff they will read those articles they will see those photos they'll see all that and they can make up their own mind they'll come to us whatever it is but it's it's out there Mm -hmm. they will try and and media will try and twist stuff to, oh, to sell 100%. stories it, 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 course, it is what yeah. it is
0: do you um, do you go back to footy
2: yeah I go I go to the Gabba a, a little bit um, my, my kids are starting to play footy now so we've got a big game on the weekend where there's three or four games so kids are starting to play sport so weekends are going to become pretty busy and I was like, about
1: to ask that like do, do any of the boys show any interest of doing what dad did
2: yeah, they they're getting into it now. Like the yeah. it's quite embarrassing because the youngest bloke goes he'd be a trainer and then he'd be having a kick and then he'll be go, Yeah, but my dad played for the Lions. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Um but they're they're interested. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a proud kid, I guess. Yeah, he, wrote, he loves it. He, yeah. he, he's my wild child. Yeah. Um but no, they're both the two boys are getting right into it. My daughter plays netball, she loves the guitar and piano, she's really musical. Yeah. Um she's hell bent on doing anything that me and Jodie didn't do so. She doesn't want mm. to be a swimmer. Yeah. She doesn't
1: want to play footy. Mm. So, but, but going, going back to your going back to your eldest boy, like you haven't seen him. What do you say for the last what twelve months or oh, yeah, yeah. about twelve months. Yeah. You got any any advice for anybody who's sort of in that kind of situation? Who's sort of like how how they could sort of navigate through that thing? Like, how did you how, how have you been handling that? It's a hard one
2: because every situation's different yeah it's mate we'd love to see him but the situation is that and I'm going to say it on this and I don't care but he's been poisoned into thinking I'm someone I'm not yeah and there's a lot of that out there that the way the system works is that men are evil when it comes yeah. to a split relationship and whoever listens to this female, male or whatever I don't care what you say but that's just how it is we right. haven't, yeah. and it is what it is, and there's a lot of stuff happening in the media and about it, and it needs to change because we get we don't get any rights, anything like that it 's always no nah, he must be doing this, he must be doing that, and we would love to see him as much as we can but it's right. of course yeah and that,
0: that that was a big big conversation when we really started this uh, the podcast was what's yeah. the demographics yeah. And, um, you know, particularly Din and I who sit here is that, um, um, you know, we've had relationships which didn't work. Yeah. And exactly what you said is that, look, we don't aim this to be against the female. I mean, we, we'd like to say that we've still got the gentleman in us that wants to...
1: Chivalry's not dead. No. You know what I mean?
0: And I yeah. think that um, that's what you're saying is that, unfortunately, we're perceived something that we aren't.
3: I think there's, yeah. there's. I mean, my experience is, is that, um, I think most people that I speak to that are reasonable do agree with exactly what you said. You know, that things that seem to be stacked against men, but I think that the, that's a systemic kind of problem, right? You know, that's a, that's the way things are set up. Seem to be that way. So, I think that that would mean that that could be re, that could be fixed. You know,
2: I think so. I think it's just hard for. Breakups aren't easy, mm. and split marriages or split relationships mm. or separate families. But it's more common than you would ever imagine at the moment. Right, of oh, definitely. So there's yeah. got to be a, a system in place for both men and women to be able to go right. I will, what, why? And there is. It's been brought in, and it's coercive behaviour and coercive control. Mm. Did you say coercive? A, I think I did. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. It's exactly, yeah. it's exactly <laughs> what I said. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of that coming into it now, but it's yeah. it's really hard to to get a handle on, and
1: you know the children are the most important thing. Absolutely, At and I, I think and yeah. I think that
0: the kids, my kids, actually were the greatest teachers. We've said this before. Is to me, is that um, you know what what I realised, and um, you know, is that. I used to actually worry about the kids that they, you know, because they 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 want the white picket fence. They want mum and dad to stay together, of course, because that's mum and dad. Yeah. But of course, sixty-two percent averages is that marriages break up.
1: Yeah, so it's it's the stats are terrible at the moment. But um, what can you do? I guess as a society. But know.
0: that's but that's when there's a couple of things here. You know, like Dylan was you know was here before. Is that he once said to me, Dad. Is that all he ever wanted... To, and I didn't get this for a long time. I was always scared that I was, you know, because we broke up that I was the bad guy. But the kids, all they really want, your kids want mum and dad to be happy. Yeah. And once we realise that, it's a big game changer for yourself. Yeah. Um, and once, once that happens, then the relationship with your kids becomes monumental. Yeah, the big,
2: the biggest breakdown of it all for me and what I, where it all goes wrong when it happens is, becomes a competition between, the, mum and dad, mm. and it becomes this stupid fight in, do I want more money? Do I get more time? Why didn't you do this? Mm. And it's yeah, it's, it's just, like me. Sort of it's yeah. this mm. negative fight that happens the whole time when it doesn't need mm. to, and and, and kids get caught up in this weird, bloody game of well your dad did this and he, he couldn't have you on this certain date and it was your weekend and it's like well can you we just swap It's not hard like mm. yeah yeah and, and now know, and, yeah. and this is I'm only going 16 years ago now we've got people that break up and live in the same house and mm. parent together for this for the sake
0: sorry,
3: of staying together but,
2: but is that good or bad I don't know
0: yeah
3: it it's is. I mean the, the really hard thing is because you're dealing with not just one person there's all these people involved and you can't it's hard to create a system which can track that many individuals because you might have one might have a guy who's just horrible and you know this woman has to get away from this guy yeah, and he'll just be a complete psychopath and mean we've all seen that in friends right yes or the reverse can be true or it can be uh, everything was kind of good and okay it's not working let's split up or we'll divide everything but then suddenly other third parties like lawyers and stuff like that come in and say, hey you know you should do this and this and this and this yeah. so it's it's a really difficult thing to make a system that can actually cater for all of that, but it seems to be that f- from everything I hear that it does lean towards men getting a really bad. Well, deal, the, yeah.
2: the legal system does. The legal system leans that way, and it, and it is what it is. But it's slowly changing, and I think it yeah it'll evolve as it goes. But
0: and I think I think that it's important that we do also mention that you know this isn't about like putting the blame on anyone not. no you know, this is this is just life and it's and unfortunately you know when you when you're with a person you fall in love and mm. and then you fall out of love and there's a child involved is that someone's going to get hurt um but it shouldn't be the kids
1: it's good that we can touch on on these kind of subjects you know within this podcast as well it's just to you know at the end of the day like Macca says it's you know the best saying we've got is you know whether it's a word or a sentence take it away with you so to hear like your experiences Tim and, and you know everyone else's experience who's been on the podcast as well like anything that we can do to sort of shine the light on stuff that other people might be going through you know what I mean and use this platform to you know to talk about it and to hopefully give people some kind of like reference on, on certain things and that's that's fine like there's, like Maka said, there's no agenda to this. There's no we're not bashing on anybody. It's just you know, just trying to bring bring back that that sense of who we are as men and, and that masculinity and the sense of brotherhood and and that we're not alone. We're all well, together. I think that you know
0: I think Beamer said it perfectly, you know, about the pressure cooker. Yeah. And this is what we've always just said here is that, you know, like we sit on the couch and and we talk about stuff and, and it all goes elsewhere. I mean, we obviously started here to talk about Tim's career and which was elite and at the end of the day is that then we, we move on to other stuff and, and then talk into the personal side of it is that it is simply just us getting to a point where we, you know, as I said when we were with Beamer a, a guy two weeks before we had Beamer on the show was 22 and committed suicide. Exactly. And yeah. The pressure cooker is that we sit here and as talking about it all we want to do is open it up that people can talk about it and feel free that you know that it is open conversation it's not something we need to hide and that all of a sudden is that by talking about it maybe um we get to understand it a bit better
3: that's definitely uh, often yeah and things often help when Sometimes people need the courage to be able to say that they're in pain because something's happened, because there might be embarrassment or whatever around that, right? Could be anything. But actually, just sharing it with another person can make it not necessarily fix anything, but it just eases that pain out in just the act of sharing it, you know? Yeah. Definitely. But I did want to ask one question. You, you mentioned before that you um, uh, were dyslexic and had, was it ADD or ADHD? Nah, I've
2: probably got all of them. Yeah. So, so I was going to ask you, was that diagnosed or? Nah, my wife's diagnosed me blast. last. <laughs> but like you look at it, like we've, I've watched a few programs, and, and mm. gro- growing up in the country, none of that was my brother's diagnosed. Mm. I'm not, but I reckon I am because I ne- I'm a terrible reader. I'm a horrible speller. Um, I don't proofread any text messages as Neil would, would, I, I, would know. I, I, I can vouch for that. <laughs> um, but I didn't really know any different and I didn't yeah. care yeah. Mm-hmm. either. So, I and growing up, I had this one track mind to, to play footy, and that was it. Mm. Okay. Um, so all the other stuff was as irrelevant until now that I really need it when you're doing a quote or you're trying to mm. write stuff out. I'm like,
3: well, the reason I asked is because you said your kids. A couple of your kids may have that as well. That yeah, right? but they got help. They got tutors
2: mm. and they got yeah, this, yeah. which, I, which I, I never had that. And mm. I'm like, no, we've got to keep at this because if I got to, if I had to stand up in front of someone and read something out, mm. I would be so embarrassed. I would never do it, mm. just never do it at all. And it's, it's, it's hard to, to do that. So, so
3: it, in, that, in that instance, if you memorised it, that would be a different experience? Completely different. But it's just the act of reading it and the, the words not appearing to The act of reading
2: it. it and not reading it well. Yeah. It, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Even yeah. to stand up in front of a lot of people is very daunting. For anybody.
1: Well,
0: that brings to another point is that, you know, because obviously as you get to an elite level, of course, you are expected to do more public speaking. Yeah. Mm. How, how do you deal with public speaking?
2: I was no good at all, and I'm not, I'm still not very good at all. But I found that, and it takes me back to when I was younger. I'd always have a ball in my hand, or I'd always have something. So when I would go on to a school visit, we'd get a program, and I'd always roll it up, and I could, and you can probably see me using my hands mm-hmm. a lot today. But you get, I would use that as a tool that was in my hand that would,
3: yeah, like a calm safety me. thing. It like, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, it yeah. calm me down, and I, would, I could, then I'd go, and once I was in the had that mm-hmm. I, was, I was okay but if I had nothing in my hands I was like "What? What am, I'm, where are they looking what are they doing all that sort of stuff so, Yeah, So yeah. oh, it's like going to a pub and not having a beer like you, if you've got a beer in your hand it flows it's, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. and it was funny we, we had walks on here the other week and he, he was saying that um, as much as I think one of the famous sayings is walkers on walkers on you see he hears it just about every day and he said mate to go to the pub I used to have to have six beers because I was worried people were looking at me. Yeah. Because he had no confidence in himself.
2: Yeah, 100%. And I, when I was younger coming up, walks was out of quite a lot. <laughs> and I used to, and, and Brisbane Broncos and Lions hated each other, hmm. but me and him got along quite well. And we'd always end up at Hotel LA at 5 a.m. or whatever it was. And, but it is, it's a confidence thing. And if you haven't had a few beers, as you said, or you haven't got a ball in your hand or. A rolled up bit of paper, or a lot of them use the little buzzer thing, and mm. and I'm not a rehearser, so I wouldn't not rehearse a lot of stuff. Yeah. So mm. if you're not good at it, it's and, it,
0: and it's we actually did talk about it. We we touched on it just before. Is that like one percent? We talked about this with Is one percent of footballers actually have a life after football? Yeah. So you know they obviously get used to being up in front of the crowds and doing stuff. I mean, all of a sudden, you know. Morningside might say, Tim, do you want to come and do a little segment? That must be daunting
2: for you. I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it? No. Not even if it was... They might say five grand, come and do a... No. No? A Q&A, I would go and do a and a Okay.
1: With other guests and whatnot. With other guests, yeah, yeah. so... So, like a panel? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'll do that. Um, I've done a couple of those before, but I'm still uh, I'm still uncomfortable with it because some some of the panels, like, you're sitting up there with... And this goes back to the... Where you sit in the pecking order, like there might be stars across the board that I know are stars, are guns, and I'm sitting with them, I'm like, what the hell am I here for? Mm. So it's still daunting to do it in the panel, but if it's a and I did one with Bill McDonald the other day at a, a charity golf day, um, and that was all right because it was just one on one, it was a few questions, it was easy, all the golfers were.
0: So I was fine, <laughs> 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 and you'd had a couple before. I had a couple of sneaky ones. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like you mean, as I said, we've we've moved through that, and um, obviously you've 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 settled down. You've got your three kids now with Joe's, you, You've 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 got your stellar business in terms of uh, the building company. So I mean, life. You've gone through that era, which I think was probably the golden era of the of the lines. Oh, I mean, yes, you've yeah. you've. Um, You've come through the other side and I mean mate sitting here, you've, I think that um, as much as you might portray a little bit of um, uncomfortableness and, and maybe um, not confidence, I think, I think there is a certain level of confidence about you that would let you do a lot of these things that maybe you do yourself.
2: Yeah, I'm starting to build it up a little bit. I, this is a good format for me, mm. a chilled out environment, um, an easy chat is okay for me and I'm starting to build a little bit like for, for years I didn't want to go out for dinner mm-hmm. with Jody after all the stuff that happened but now it's like you know what we're going out we're going out to whatever restaurant yeah. we're going to sit there who cares you yeah. know what you so we've, th- we've, we've been married for 13 years yeah. I hope I got that right but <laughs> um, yeah so we, we're just like yeah let's go let's do it like mm-hmm. whatever but we were, we were really anxious about being seen in public for mm-hmm. a long time and now but now we've got the kids and it's like, whatever, let's just, let's live our life now and, um, yeah, we're at, a, we're at a good phase, we're at a good stage of our life, 43 and kids are just getting to that easy stage.
0: And and that was, you know, that was part of the reason when I said to the boys, let's get Timmy on because, I mean, um, probably you've emphasised, um, you know, the guys we have had on are very, very confident and to be honest with you, like, you and I have been out plenty of times and... I've seen a fair bit of confidence, um, but sitting here, I've seen a different side to you that you, you weren't confident, and that quite amazes me. And but that's important because then you see people out there that are probably questioning themselves. I don't think maybe that's something that you need to say. Is that you know how you've you've questioned yourself and you pushed through that? That's 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 that's
1: amazing. It's amazing, yeah. It's a- yeah. It's, a- it's-
2: I don't know I've always been confident with a beer in my hand there's no doubt no. about that but I, like, there's different environments that put you in different situations and as I said like confidence is it's different like yep. football was a thing when I, I play with superstars yes and yeah yeah. there's some big egos there
0: and I'll even <laughs> add to that Tim is uh, possibly you were you were one of the superstars I don't. You don't like him as much that. as you don't want you, to admit it. No, he doesn't <laughs> right. like.
2: He doesn't like to hear that. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, Lemmy, you're very. You're very humble. Lemmy used to always say that the top three in your team aren't going to win your grand final. It'll be your bottom five, mm. and that's where I've had myself in the bottom yeah. five. Okay. Like I finished third and fifth, fifth in the best and fairest in our grand final year, and uh, but. I take that back and go, well, I finished fifth, but I played every game. Yeah. Vossi missed five games. Yeah. And he come... You know what I mean? Like, I go, well, I got extra points because I played every game um, on those grand final years, but... Did you
0: find that, um, you know, when you went to Labrador and Yoronga that
2: mm-hmm.
0: you became the teacher and not the pupil? A little bit. Or did, or did people look look for Tim to be the teacher?
2: Well, once I once I went back to Labrador and then Yoronga. I was more confident then because I knew I'd done the things I'd done at that higher level. Yeah. It's, then I was confident. Then I knew that most blokes I could handle pretty easily. And I played a different position. I went to full forward. i never played full forward in my life. Yeah. But at that level, I was a good size full forward. But in the AFL, I would have been no good. But when you're at that elite level in sport, you, I just... My wife was... Late, well, yes. Elite? It was with Dawn Fraser in
1: 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jodie Henry is going to bring Australia
3: home for what will be
1: Four yes! gold
2: on the fourth. <laughs> on, her, on her fourth gold, but um, she was never super confident, and she was very quiet and all that sort of stuff. But she knew she put in the work, which and got her there. So yeah. it's there's a We're very similar in that Do you
0: Do you guys sit down and sit on the couch, kids go to bed, and do you talk about what was different for a leap between the two of you?
2: We've started to now because she works for Swimming Australia and deals with athletes, and she's trying to do transition into life after sport for swimmers. And we bounce ideas off what it was like when I was there and this is what we used to get. And it, it still amazes me that, I don't know, it's a TV sport and it's every weekend, but the Olympic athletes train as hard as most people, hmm. but they don't get paid yeah. at all, hardly at all. Yeah. Um, do you think that's fair? Life's not fair. It's, you can't buy a membership to the Dolphins swim team. Yeah. You can't watch them every week. Yep. But they're not on TV every week, so I get it.
1: But and you can't buy a gold medal. Well, you
2: can't. No, but you, you know, can't. You can't buy a premiership either. But yeah. well, some teams did in the day. But <laughs> so. I, I, It is what it is. But I'm, I'm, I'm the believer that. I didn't get into footy to make money. I love the game. Mm. She loves swimming. As soon as you get into it at a young age to be paid to play, I think you won't succeed.
0: Yeah, but. But that, that says the opposite because she got up every day to swim. Obviously, you know, we've we talked about this before with one of the guys, is parents are a big part of making you um, succeed in that yeah. part of it. Um, is that she knew that it was never going to be money um, versus you were introduced because that's, that's the way football was. I mean, but you can't play for Australia in football unless you play in the Gallic. Scene, but she swam for
2: Australia. Yeah, that's right. But we—that's the love. Yeah, I think most people get into sport from their parents. Her old man broke the world record in the masters, um, in the in the same event. Um, I think all her family and that as sw- a swimming family, we're a football family. My old man played footy kick. Bags of hundred goals in the country, um, and I think you just do that, and then you start to love it. I don't think originally you get into footy because oh, I just want to. I love it. I just love it. Yeah. You, you just follow your your parents or your brothers or your sisters or your mate yeah. or or whatever it is, and you, you generally learn to love it. If you don't love it, you you end up
0: giving so up. So again, like it, it's interesting. Again, like I, I said before, you know, like I, I've never said to my kids. Go play footy. You know, just play a sport. And you've obviously said the same to your kids. As long as you play sport, just understand. Because we've talked about this before, is team sport versus individual. And one of the things I love about football is team sport, and that's where that friendship comes with guys. Um, So what do you tell your kids about?
2: Yeah, I wanted to play team sport. um, But I also wanted to do whatever they enjoy or whatever they want to do. So Jody comes from... I come from a place where a lot of my mates are from sport. Mm. And a lot of, I see a lot of people that are going to reunions and all this sort of stuff. You ring up a mate that you play footy with, mate, I'm out of work, can I get a job? It happens, and that's life. But in swimming, for Australia, especially in the female, the best 500-metre sprinters are Australian, nearly. Yeah. So your teammates, your arch rivals. So if you win three in a row, you, your teammates lost three in a row. Yeah, so how yeah. do you be friends with someone that
3: you keep yeah, being? Yeah, yeah. they're your a, direct competitor. They're your right?
2: direct competitor. Yeah. Like if you finish first in the trials, they miss out on the Olympics. Or, or it's whatever. because of you. It's because of them. That. Like yeah. And that's, a, that's just like, a
0: bigger pressure again. It's like that movie Tonya Harding, isn't you
2: know? it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you got, especially this year, so the girls have won, broke the world record in the 100-metre freestyle anyone any six of those girls could have swam in that and all one gold but two missed out but they're probably yeah. sixth and seventh in the world
0: <laughs> and and probably th- even when you say that is that you know look, you look at football how many football what is there 18 sides 20 people playing 360 people how many people get an opportunity to swim for Australia probably four yeah that's it and out of a population so it's percentages are way way um greater in terms of not making it versus us but i mean in saying that too also is as i said to tim earlier is that how many people have we seen that could play sport that didn't make it you know it's a time and place sliding doors yeah the luck yeah all that it's luck, a bit of
2: luck yeah. but as i said earlier we're all psychopaths in a way
0: and so, that and yeah. look that that was interesting we we were outside and and um and you did you did bring this up uh I think we were talking about basketball one time when yeah, you, you um, said that, um, who was it, the psychopath? Just,
1: yeah, just, uh, when you look at the, you know, the Michael Jordans and the Kobe Bryants and all those those guys that would go above and beyond and sort of stand out, they all had that, like, that psychopathic killer instinct, which, I like, you touched on that as well, Tim, when you would push yourself to the point of just vomiting. That's, like, that is psychopathic. To be able to push your body to that point, because that's the the will to win, the will to compete. But to be able to do that, not everyone can do that. Like some people need someone to scream at them and do that kind of stuff, but then you got those people. That's why like when you're being so humble, I look, I look at you and know, I go, if you can do that, that's why you became an elite athlete. You know, not many people can go that route. So, and then you got those ones who... You know, you know, you're probably... You're looking at Brownie and all those guys. They're probably on that level where that, that real psychopathic will to win. You know what I mean? So it's... Yeah, it's... Well, they... As Tim said earlier, like, there's a few guys that are just
0: automatically inside. the Yeah. They walk out there. They're already on cloud nine. He's going out there to prove himself.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there's guys in... There will see the draw and go, I'm playing on that guy in round five. Mm. Mm. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's round five. Let's wait till, let's yeah. wait till Thursday night and they pick the team. Like, yeah. it's... Mm. And it's... It was always hard for me to, to to talk, to do that. But some... Like, Acker would be in the side every week and that's... Because and, he'd perform every week. But there were certain players that, and they'd be in teams now and they'd be... You could speak to them and they'd be in there waiting for Thursday, waiting for Thursday. Am I getting a message? Am I in? And... To touch on the the psychopath training stuff, I think there's a the competitiveness. If you're not a competitive beast, you're not mm. gonna you're not gonna succeed. Yeah. You're not because we we play board games at home and we don't let our kids win. It's on, like eh? it's on. Yeah. yeah. Like no no, <laughs> and, and one of them will crack the crack the shits and storm off because he didn't win. Bad luck. So, yeah. Where well, you go? I'm the winner.
0: Look, tonight's been amazing in terms of um we've had some people here who are exuberate confidence and um you know obviously you and i have been out on uh on a on plenty of occasions and done a couple of trips and uh, in my mind actually i've always thought that you've been a very confident person sitting next to you here tonight find you a very humbling person and a different side that uh, i probably haven't seen um and Actually, gained way more respect for you because I think that how you push through a lot of the things that we've talked about is more than admirable. I mean, you've um, we've we haven't gone through all the adversities, but we do know that like what you've done is, mate. Um, you've you've actually gone through all these things and come through better than most people I know. Um, you've got a great company. You know, I think you are as you say, you are in the inaugural year of the Lions. You have played 28 games. You, um, you're now happily married to uh, Olympian. Uh, you've, you know, you've got a, you've got a great life, and and it's fantastic to sit next to you and and mate, um, give you the opportunity, but more so, give us the opportunity to hear a humbling person just sit here and say, isn't this nice to, to be chilled out and and talk because. This is exactly what we like to hear is that people can listen to this and say, you know, like, it's not about the boisterous and the confident people that get out here. It's also about the people that have worked through it all like you have and still got out the other side. Yeah. And, mate, that, that's well done. OK, so this is, uh, tube. this is where we get to the end of the show. As much fun as it's been, uh, this is... Maybe we'll call it the serious part or maybe we'll call it the <coughs> comical, but... Uh, we have this little section called Five from Five, and uh, we've got five questions for you.
2: out. Where'd you get your nickname from? First pre-season football camp hmm. to Conungra. Um we have been doing all the Army stuff down at Conungra, and then John Orley decided to give us a night out on the Gold Coast in order to bus, and... Oh, Craig Lambert absolutely stitched me up in a couple of sculling games and I basically rolled off the bus and crawled up under a tree and then that night a possum crawled into my room and we shared a room. Sorry, both, there was two rooms and the player had a room and we shared a toilet and bathroom. And this possum was on my bed. I turned the light on and it went mental so I just opened up the bathroom door. Turned my light on, it went into the dark room, locked it. And then Marcus Ashlock went to go to the tour the next day and there's this angry possum in there ready to go and it just stuck.
3: Hence, hence possum. That's it. Are you on platonic terms with that possum?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Where I come from, they do a nice possum pie. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, you already knew this was coming, but um, greatest movie.
2: Beautiful girls.
0: Beautiful girls.
2: Jeez. I haven't seen that one.
0: I'm gonna to have to look that up.
2: Yeah, well you have to. It's all time favourite. And okay. I got it put onto it from one of my housemates when I first moved up here, Nick Carter, who was a who was a very good footballer but had a few injuries. Um, he put me onto it. Okay. Classic cast, you'll love it. What oh, period it was it in? I'm not sure what period. It's got Emma Thurman, Lauren Holly, um, Matt Dillon. Natalie Portman when she was real young awesome wow. you to yeah I look forward out. to watch yeah. that yeah.
0: yeah watch it it's I a cracker will. I will this is always this is always my favourite and I've I'm sure we've got a good story to this one have you ever used your name to get in somewhere
2: heaps of places oh. <laughs> heaps of places I've used other people's names to get me in no, really no, no, no. <laughs> nothing
0: in particular just uh, oh, nightclubs bars wherever yeah
2: alright
0: and was it possum or Tim Nodding?
2: Oh, it was it was Tim Nodding, it was Jonathan Brown, it was, <laughs> it was whoever whoever that we with, it was I'm
0: oh. flexible in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A hard one, but favourite band.
2: Favourite band?
0: Yes. <sighs> I know how you love your music.
2: The funny thing is, growing up I never my old man was country and that's it and I never got into music till later in footy but I grew up loving Nirvana and I love their unplugged stuff my favourite band Fred or Chili Peppers okay. good choice
0: good, yeah right good call mm-hmm. alright final one most inspirational person in your life most inspirational person in my
2: life but it has to be my wife, because she deals with me and my kids, and works, and she'll probably listen to this. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd better say that. But uh, nah, probably my and my parents as well. But my parents have brought up four boys. I touched on it earlier with my brother having a car accident, and they they still look after him today. Um, so probably mum and dad, both on par with that. Outside my wife Because I have to say that So, so <laughs> Jodie He doesn't have to Shout out that. to Jodie <laughs>
0: In our little breaks He's been talking about <laughs> you All the time Jodie Yeah
2: exa- Yeah
0: exactly look, All of Yeah Look it's uh, As I said before It's been It's been uh, Very entertaining Finding the other side Of you Tim um, Because Out Out and about As I said uh, I saw another side Of uh, Possum um, which was a, a confident person it's great to get someone on here that that uh, humble um, teaches people that because of who you are doesn't make what you are and you've certainly shown that what you are has got a lot of merit in teaching people to to move forward in a positive way made it um, great friend of mine and uh, taught me a great great lessons through life and uh mate it's been absolutely a pleasure to have you on board with Justin brothers and and shoot the shits and uh chat the chat and um listen to your story from go to woe with missing a few things in between but uh certainly hearing about um how hey, you've come out the other side and mate uh, you certainly have come out in a positive way and it's it's uh great to see that um Mate, uh, you've had a great story to tell, and really congratulations on um, bringing it out and having having the courage to come and sit with us and 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 share that. And um, well done, mate.
2: Thanks for having me, boys. And Thanks, Possum. Awesome. Thanks,
1: buddy.
3: Thanks, easy. Tim. It's uh, been a really great night.
2: No, it has. It's been good. It's been uh, to go back over all the stuff that I went through as well. It's been, you know, because a lot of your past gets put put back in it's
0: always good to bring it back up and yeah. chew the fat a bit yeah look I think it's uh, we, we talk about it quite often is that uh, as I said the pressure cooker is to, to talk about some of these things that we actually forget about and um, and relive the memories that not are always good Yeah. sometimes are bad but at the end of the day is that uh, confront them and you have confronted them and um, as I said you come out the other side and uh, admirable so Mate, as I said, really well done coming here. Great to have you on, and um, it's, been, uh, it's been a great night. Sitting on the couch, just listening to us all uh, talk about what has been and what will be. So I'm just going to say, as I normally do, mm-hmm. ciao from now. See you next time.
1: Yeah. Later. Thanks, watching.
0: Thank you for our special guest tonight, for providing an insight into their life which hopefully resonates with our followers. Also, a special thanks to you, our followers, who give the Just Some Brothers crew motivation to put together our podcast, which allows us to send a message, a message that helps hopefully with you today and tomorrow. It's now time to sign off and say enjoy your week. Thank you for listening to Just Some Brothers. Ciao for now.